Welcome to the teaching ministry of Walt East, lead chaplain at Sky Valley Chapel. We hope this teaching will serve as a practical guide for your daily walk as a Christ follower. We encourage you to follow along with your Bible and life notes, which can be found in the podcast show notes or on our website at svmin.com. Well, today we're continuing a series that we've been in now for, for five weeks, and this is the fifth statement in probably Jesus' most um, powerful and Jesus' most memorable sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. He starts this most famous sermon with eight statements, and we're taking one of those statements each week and going through them, and this week we're to number, we're to number five in what is called the Beatitudes. Now, Jesus was an incredible teacher, and one of his teachings methods was that he would draw a comparison between man's way and God's way. He would say things like this, you've heard it said, do not murder, but I've not just called you to that, I've called you to this. If you have hatred in your heart towards a brother or sister, you may as well have killed them with your hands. He would say things like, you see how the religious pray and how they fast so they can be seen by other people? He said, don't do that. Pray and fast to your father, and your father who hears you in secret will reward you. The disciples were arguing one day, and they said, Jesus, which one of us is going to get to be seated at your right hand, the place of honor? And Jesus sort of looks at him, and he shakes his head. I don't think it's in the text that he shakes his head, but I'm sure he shook his head. And he's like, guys, you're missing the point. It's not about who's going to be the greatest among us. It's not that it's this. You want to be first, fellas? Then you need to be last. If you want to be great, then you need to humble yourself and serve. I've not called you to do that. I've called you to do this, to be like this, to be like me. And when it comes to these statements, I don't know if there's any passage of scripture to to better equip us, to to better help us to be more like Jesus than these statements in Matthew chapter 5. You want to be blessed like Jesus? You want to have influence like Jesus? You want to be a a kingdom builder like Jesus? A difference maker like Jesus? Well, here's what he says. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who understand their their own sin and their, their need for God. You need to acknowledge that you're sinful and that you need the Lord. Make yourself poor in spirit. He says, blessed are those who mourn, because it's not just enough to acknowledge your sin. Does your heart break? for that which breaks the heart of God. And do you mourn not just for your own sin, but for the sin of all the world around you and the suffering that sin has caused, the sickness and and the injustice that is a result of the sin of the world. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, those who have a right view of themselves, because when you're aware of your own sin, you tend to be more gracious toward those who are around you. And instead of throwing stones like everybody else, You mourn the brokenness and the suffering, the corruption and the confusion, the losses of the world around you. You're not better than anybody, and you know it. You've just been forgiven, saved by Jesus Christ, and you want more than anything for those around you to also know him and to experience that same saving power. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
It's this desire of, of not only personally being set free once and for all, but to see all the world around us, the desire to see the world, the world restored, the, the world made new. It's desiring God first. It's, it's seeking first his kingdom. It's right standing, right living, honoring God with every step. Those first four that we've covered in the past weeks, they deal specifically with our relationship with God. It impacts our relationship with one another, but it deals specifically, each one of them deals specifically with our relationship with God. These next four, the shift that we're going to see this week in, in verse 7, the one we're going to study today, these speak specifically toward our relationships with one another. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, how about you read this aloud with me on your life notes there? It says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, this is the law of direct return at work. What you give, you get. What you put in, you get back. If you're merciful, you'll be shown mercy. But if you're critical and you're judgmental and you're unfriendly, well, then don't be surprised when that comes back at you. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, this seems at first reading like a, like a simple, straightforward statement by Jesus, but, but understand when he said this, this was during the height of the Roman Empire. The land of, of Judea and Israel there, you know, they, were, they were occupied. They were an occupied um, territory by the Romans. The Roman Empire wasn't always merciful. It wasn't always a merciful time there. And so they would be hearing this and they'd be saying like, Jesus, do you understand what's going on? Blessed are the merciful. We don't see a whole lot of mercy going on. Jesus, don't you know that, that those who show mercy get taken advantage of? Don't you know that the people who are merciful rarely, if ever, win? Besides that, Jesus, isn't justice a whole lot more attractive? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, insult for insult, a punch for punch, you hurt me, I'll hurt you. You threaten me, I'll threaten you. And Jesus just stops him and he says, no, 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 no. I've not called you to that, but to this. Blessed are the merciful, the merciful for they will be shown mercy. So what does mercy look like? Well, I believe mercy is, is not just an attitude. I think mercy is an attitude and an action. More than 100 times in the Old Testament alone, the Bible says that God is merciful toward you and me. Understand it as love and action. It's not just feeling sorry for someone. It's not just acknowledging that somebody has pain or, or somebody has a need or somebody has a hurt. There's much more there's a much more deeper meaning to this word. As a matter of fact, if you follow this word from the Greek back into the Hebrew where this concept was coming from, it means to literally get inside someone's skin so that you can feel what they feel. Like moving your podium from the shade down to the sun, despite your doctor's advice. You can see it through their eyes. You can think with their mind. You can feel with their hands and with their heart. Walt Whitman, American poet from the 1800s, he said this, he said, when I see a man in pain, I don't ask him how he feels. I become that man. That's what mercy is. And notice it sounds a whole lot like the one who gave us these words. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall see mercy. The one who, be, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or to be held onto, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, he was, allowed himself to be made in human likeness 
and found himself in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is the one, the word who is made flesh and, and, and became, he dwelt among us. He pitched his tent with us. He pulled his rig in next to us in the RV park. This is, this is that one that's speaking here. In Hebrews 4, it says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are and yet is without sin. In other words, if anybody can, can, can understand this, if anybody can preach this message, it's Jesus. Mercy isn't just that hurt in your heart when you see somebody else hurting. It's not just talking about how much you care about the pain in the world around you. It's carrying each other's burdens. And when you carry each other's burdens, Scripture says it's, it's the way that you and I fulfill the law of Christ. And we put the skin of one another on so that we can see what their eyes see and we can feel what they feel. So what does it mean to be merciful? What, what does mercy look like in practical matters in our lives? It means, first off, to be patient with everyone. To be patient with everyone. In 1 Thessalonians 5.14, it says, And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Now, idle means uninvolved. Your heart hurts from the sideline, but sideline heartaches don't help anyone. German Lutheran pastor Martin Niemöller said these words after World War II. He said, first they came for the Jews, but I did not speak out because I'm not a Jew. And then they came for the socialists, but I did not speak out because I'm not a socialist. And then they came for the communists, but I did not speak out because I'm not a communist. So when they came for me, there's nobody left to speak out for me. Idle, sideline faith. Oh, but I feel it in my heart. That's not necessarily mercy. You don't just feel mercy. You do mercy. You show mercy. You help the weak, and you be patient with everyone. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to be patient with some people rather than others? Some people just test your patience. Some people are just in general easier to live with. And there's others of us who have a hard time with this. This is something I struggle with, is being patient. And I can hear my wife all the way from Texas with the grandchildren saying amen. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just, I do, I struggle with being patient. And some of you, particularly those, you know, that are closer to me, understand that. You've seen that. And if I've offended you, I apologize for that. I know it's something I'm working on. And, and one thing you could do for me is you could pray for me about that, because patience certainly is not my strong, my strong suit. Generosity, yeah, I'm a little bit further along with generosity, but patience is not a strong suit for me. I heard that back there. <laughs> and yet the word of the Lord says this. It says in Romans 12, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order, why? In order to, be, to bring praise to God. Accept one another? Well, which one? One another. I know, but which one, Lord? Well, that one. Well, what about them? Yes, accept one another, just as Christ accepted you. But we say, yeah, but you don't understand that person, to which God says, oh, really? Like, I didn't create them? Yeah, but you don't understand how sinful they are. You really want to talk about sin with me? You see, they wear their, sleeve on the, their sin on their sleeves, 
Well, I'm not asking you to accept their sin. I'm telling you to accept them. I'm asking you to accept them the same way that my son Jesus accepts you. Besides, you didn't get clean before you came to Jesus. You came to Jesus to get clean. You don't put yourself together so that you can enter the presence of the Lord. You, you enter the presence of the Lord so that you can be put together. You don't make yourself right to walk into his presence. You walk into his presence so that he can make you right. And here's the word of the Lord. Accept one another. God has been good and, and God has been gracious to each and every one of us. He's given us his word and it's our job to follow his word and honor his word even in an election year. Even in the midst of all the chaos of, of COVID and a global pandemic, even when people target you for what you believe, when you hold to his word, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everybody. Besides, God is patient with you and me. In 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You know, Sometimes wonder, why did God add that last part there, not wanting anybody to perish? Why couldn't he just stop with, with God is patient with you? You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes someone gets under my skin. You know, I have not good thoughts about them, okay? I kind of wish them away, or I'm not going to say there's a Mack truck involved or anything, but, but you know, God, God's the one that he could send a Mack truck anytime he wanted to. Um, just, just roll them over. Imagine being God and having that kind of power. You know, but he's not willing that anyone should perish. God is better than us. He's good. He's gracious. He's full of mercy. And he extends mercy. And extending, extending mercy means being patient, not just toward those whom it's easy to be patient with. It's being patient with those whom it's not so easy to be patient with. Secondly, what does mercy look like? It means to forgive as I've been forgiven to forgive as I've been forgiven. And here's the deal with forgiveness. It always feels good and it always feels right when I'm the one that's receiving forgiveness, doesn't it? When you're getting forgiveness, it feels good and feels right, but when you're the one that's supposed to give forgiveness, that's when it becomes kind of testy. That's kind of when it becomes, becomes harder. It can, you know, when we're criticized, we would prefer to what? Criticize back. When we're hurt, we prefer to hurt back. Instead of forgiveness, what we want more than anything else is, is justice. You know, we want that justice. But God says, bear with one or each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, you might be struggling with, the, with this message here, but, and, and, you know, because you may not have this to give out. You know, I can't give mercy if I haven't first received mercy. It's hard for me to forgive others if I don't understand and don't the forgiveness of God and I haven't received forgiveness myself. How can I forgive somebody if they're sinning against me if I've not experienced the grace and mercy of Jesus? And if you're struggling with this today, let me encourage you. It's okay to struggle with this. I understand that struggle when it comes to this. But when you've personally encountered the living God who loves you and, and gave his life for you to save you, to forgive you for all the sin of your life, once you realize that you've been forgiven by God, it's a whole lot easier. I didn't say it's easy. I said it's easier to forgive others when they sin against you. The third thing mercy looks like. Mercy looks like helping people who are hurting and in need. Helping people who are hurting and in need. It's not just feeling sorry for somebody. It's not, well, 
Don't we feel sad for that poor family over there, and, and they, they've got nothing while we retreat to the comfort of our nice air-conditioned home in our, in, in, our, in our nice luxury vehicle and turn on our 85-inch flat-screen TV and then never think again about that family or, or lift a finger to help them. If your faith isn't helping someone, it's not faith. Now, that sounds pretty harsh, but just hang on with me here because this isn't the words of Walt. This is scripture. If your faith isn't helping anybody, it's not faith. If your faith isn't making a difference in the world around you, it's not faith. If your faith isn't moving the kingdom forward, it's not faith. If it's not advancing the cause of Christ with, with generosity and, and kingdom-first selflessness, it's not faith. What is faith if it absolutely has no bearing, no impact on anybody other than you? If that's so, it's a cheap knockoff imitation faith. It's the kind of stuff that, that they used to offer us on, on the piers and uh, the ships and, and other, in other countries. You know, you know, you know you go, okay, I'm going to get a Gucci bag for, for $30? Wow, what a deal. And you think it's real? No, it's a knockoff. It's an imitation. You aren't going to get it for that much. It's not the real thing if your faith doesn't make a difference in the life of anybody but you. Look at your life notes with me there for James chapter 2, where this comes from. James chapter 2, beginning at verse 14, says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but doesn't do anything about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, it is not accompanied by action, is what? Dead. It's dead. Circle that word if you have a pen. Circle that word in your life. Faith without the action is dead. And 1 John 3 is echo, echoes there. It says, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. If your faith isn't making heaven full, it's an imitation. It's a knockoff. And there's so many different ways we could talk about, about discipleship, about living out the gospel, about, about making, helping to make heaven full. I'm thinking right now about these dear ladies, and I know a couple guys might have helped along the way, not very much, but the ladies do these shoe boxes every year. And what are they doing? They're trying to expand the kingdom. They're trying to extend the kingdom of Christ. They're, they're, you know, I've, I've watched them over there working on, on these things and putting stuff together and gathering stuff. And you know, with, with love, they're not just doing it for themselves. You know, they could be doing a hundred million other things, but they're doing this so that some child is going to get that box on the other side of the world is going to know that there's a God in heaven, that there's a Jesus that loves them, that cares about them, that they have worth. That is an example of faith in action. I think one of the biggest issues in, in modern Christianity is that we think of faith as solely a personal, private matter. And I'm telling you, if you live in real faith, if you're following Jesus, people will be able to tell that you're following Jesus. If you're, if you're following Jesus and you're, and you're living real faith in this world of 2020 and this climate and this culture, if you're following Jesus, you're, if you live in real faith, you're going to stand out like a, like a polar bear in the desert. And you're going to stand out if you're living your life for Christ. It's the story of the, of the Good Samaritan. Man is robbed and beaten up and left for dead along the side of the road. He's desperate. And two men passing by, Jesus says, a pastor and a worship leader, walk right past him. Did nothing to help his need. And he says this next man that comes up is, is it's the last person that the, his hearers would ever expect to even darken the door of the church. 
Jesus says, this is the one who stops and helps the man in need. And he says, you know what? That man there looks a whole lot more like me than many of the people that are in my church. Hope without help is hopeless. I didn't have room on your life notes to put this, but you might want to write this down. Hope without help is hopeless, and help without hope is helpless. Hope without help is, well, here you go. Here, here, take this. Now go figure it out. That's, 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 that's the goal. Just do it all by yourself. And, and all the while you watch the person f- uh, flail and, they, and you watch them fail and they trip and they fight. You know, and aren't you glad that God didn't treat us that way? Here, put you on earth. Just leave you to the designs and, you know, not provide for our salvation. Help without her hope is, you know, I'll feed your belly, but I'll neglect your soul. What people need is hope and help. They need love with skin on. And that's why Jesus gave us both. He's given us the hope of heaven, and he's given us the ever-present help of his Holy Spirit to guide us. And on top of that, he's given us the help of his family, the church, his body. He's given us one another. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's gifted his church. He's empowered his church, and he strengthens his church day by day by day. Jesus said later on in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Because it's kind of hard to not care about what you're close to. It's hard to not care about what you're giving toward, about, toward what you're investing in. And Jesus has given us help and hope. He's given us his spirit. Now here's the, the last one here. And for some of you, this number four may be hard. I already told you the patience thing is kind of the hard one for me. But you know, what does it look like to be merciful? To do good even to your enemies. And, and I'll be honest with you, I, I can actually do better with this one than I can that patience thing, okay? But for, for most people, I think this one's the hard one, to be, to be good even to your enemies. Now, I'm not going to give a whole lot of commentary on this uh, here. I'm going to let Scripture fe- speak for itself. I've got some references there in your life notes, and we're going to look at a couple. You know, but I cannot make you do good to your enemy. You can't do that. In Romans 5, it says, For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son... And a couple of verses earlier, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. In other words, while we were still enemies of God, he died for us. Jesus models this so well on the cross. He's looking down on those who literally beat him. They nailed him to the cross. They crushed the crown of thorns upon his head. They spat on him. They condemned him. And he looks down. He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't understand what it is that they're doing. And in Luke 6, he said this, he said, And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. I've given you the what, and we're getting ready to land the plane here, so don't be worried. I've given you the what, and as we finish, I want to give you the why, the motivation. I've got two things that should motivate you for this mercy. The first thing is God has been merciful towards me and you. When I was dead in my sin and bound and stuck in my own ways, when I was by myself 
an enemy of God, God chose not to condemn me, but to offer me a lifeline of mercy, of help and hope. And he offers that to every single person on this planet, every single person sitting on this lawn, no matter whether they're in the shade or in the sun. Jesus not only became flesh to see what I see and to feel what I feel, but he went all the way to the cross for me and you. He could have turned back. He could have turned his back on us, but he chose not to. He suffered the consequence of our sin. He chose instead to take our sin on himself so that, so that on that cross he could deal with sin once and for all. He didn't have to, but he chose to. And we can do the same with the people that we need to show mercy toward. We love because God first loved us. Jesus is merciful, so shouldn't you and I be merciful? Motivation number two, it's this week's scripture. God blesses those who are merciful. If you don't want to be blessed, then don't be, don't be merciful. As simple as that. But if you want to live a blessed life, if you want to live a full, joyous, shalom type of life, be merciful. The question I leave you with this week to ponder is, will you be merciful? Amen. joining us for this message. For more information on Chapel Mole and the ministry of Sky Valley Chapel, please visit our website at svmin.com. You can support this ministry on our website, Facebook page, or by downloading our app in the Apple or Google Play Store. Have a blessed day.